Hello, everyone. Hello. 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 My name is Matt Armando. And I'm Emily Riggins. And this is TBD. With Emily. Ooh. Uh, hey, Emily, how you doing? Uh, hmm. I'm good. Tired. Mm. All the time. Although, no. I'll save my big news and talk to introduce our guest. Oh, okay. Should we just introduce her then? <laughs> sure. I just, I feel like the thing I was going to say would take up a lot of time. So, oh. yeah. Okay. Uh, please, please welcome, welcome to the podcast. Um, I guess you could say she's my wife. <laughs> uh, I don't know how else to introduce her. Uh, re- returning champion to the podcast, <laughs> uh, Laura Miner. Hello. Hello, Laura. <laughs> Hi, Laura. Um, Thanks for having me. You're again. A cha- yeah, you're a returning champion. I don't know if Matt's ever introduced mm-hmm. someone as a returning champion. Uh, Ooh, I should have done that's it to like Alex that. because that's a Jeopardy reference. Oh. Returning champions, Jeopardy, when they come back. I know that's what they're called. I guess I just assumed it was just something that it's always called that. That whenever you return, you're a champion? No, just like whenever a champion returns, you're a return champion. I mean, maybe it's from somewhere else, but I know from Jeopardy. Ah. Welcome, Laura. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, What's um, your news, Emily? I finished a book today. Wow. What book? Um, I recommend it. Um, it's called The Firekeeper's Daughter. I'm going to find the name of the author right now. But um, it was about this Native American um girl um and well no teenager um and um uh it's it's a story from her i don't want to give too much away because it was very good Mm -hmm. really recommend it it's called the firekeeper's daughter by angeline boulier i'm not quite sure if that's how it's pronounced but that's how i i pronounce it um and it's very good. And it's soon to be adapted for a Netflix TV show uh, produced by President Barack Obama. And oh, wow. Michelle Obama. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it was very good. I teared up. It was riveting. There's a mystery. Wow. There's twists and turns. I don't know if I've ever cried from a book before. I feel like I regularly cry about books. I mean, it should be stated how many more books Emily reads than Laura. Fair. <laughs> I- Fair. I don't know if that's, I don't, I don't think it depends on so much that, well, I think one, sometimes people don't cry at certain story mediums. Like, I guess I've cried at movies, but I don't often cry at movies. I don't know that Laura's read an, a book this year. You know? So if I'm. <laughs> hey, that's not true. But actually I just remembered I have cried from reading a short story before. Um, it was like, I don't even remember what it was called, but it was a short story from like a, an anthology book that I from like middle school literature class. And it was a story about a little girl who like gets a kitten and then she loses the kitten and her grandpa hugs her. And it was, I was, I was in tears. Um, It it messed me up. Um, And I obviously like repressed that way deep down inside until this very moment. So I take it back. I have cried from, uh, from reading something. Before. It hit you in the right place. Yeah. 
No. Laura got a book in the mail today, didn't you, Laura? I did. <laughs> um, I just got um, Big Time Stories by Jen Spira, who wrote for the Colbert Report. And, um, or not, not the Colbert, she, she, the late, the, late, the show. late, late show with, yeah, Stephen Colbert. And, uh, it sounded like kind of interesting. And, um, I think I saw it, um, on Amy Sedaris's, um, Instagram. So I, um, I really respect her opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope it's good. So, yeah. I, I hope it's, it's, it, maybe it'll, uh, I guess we didn't, officially record us talking about the story class the storytelling class no. uh that i'm gonna take but maybe it'll uh, help with that <laughs> laura's taking a storytelling oh. class that happened off air <laughs> catch everyone up <laughs> editor's note <laughs> um i don't remember what i was gonna say mm-hmm. i'm 10 books ahead of my book goal for the year so wow yeah also, it's not about the amount of books you read. It's about the enjoyment of the stories, living in the world that you want to live in. I, I, um, I, I recently started reading a second book at the same two books at the same time, which is a first for me in my life. Two books, same time. Wow. New goals. Wow. Um, wow. Fun book talk. Um, <laughs> you asked me how I was and that's the, that's what's on my mind. I finished yeah, no. the book. Hey happy to hear it um should we maybe get into our first official segment of the podcast emily is looking frantically for some sort of musical instrument probably a percussion if i had to guess okay we're good tea talk tea talk tea talk tea talk tea talk what are you using there for instruments the tea tea holder and a spoon there we go uh we are in tea talk um i believe all three of us are drinking different teas Yes. Um, although you would not necessarily have known that, Emily, because as someone might be able to guess, uh, Laura and I live in the same apartment <laughs> and therefore could easily drink the same tea, but we are not. Um, Emily, what tea are you drinking? I am drinking. So I've kind of hinted this um, to Matt and Laura already, but I do believe I oversteeped my tea, and um, which makes me sad. But what I am drinking is English tea shops, white tea, blueberry, and elderflower. The ingredients are juicy blueberries, aromatic elderflowers, zesty lemongrass, and naturally sweet white tea. A divine taste. Mm. Uh, So white tea. Yes. Deeped at a lower temperature and for less time. Did you do either of those things? (laughs) Um, No to the temperature thing because I never do that but I think I oversteeped it because I've had this before and it tasted good and right now it doesn't taste it tastes oversteeped um so I actually will put in a little extra sugar and I'll let the listeners know how it goes but I wanted to get my authentic feeling about it um before I did that mm-hmm. uh, and your authentic feeling is probably that you oversteeped it <laughs> yes my authentic feeling is I oversteeped it um I, I will say I can taste the fruits um, the blueberry is nice. Um, I wish it didn't taste oversteeped. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, have you, so you said you've had this before. Has it tasted, it has it tasted good in the past? Yes, it has tasted good in the past. Um, I, uh, I don't know 
I don't know how to, uh, to grade this on a scale due to that, but I actually had this yesterday. It, it oh, when I user error is not involved, um, it has a very nice light fruity flavor. Um, and it's a nice tea to have towards the end of the night. I bought this tea, uh, at home goods. Um, this English tea shop, which I think we had before the bottle's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I'm showing Matt and Laura. It's a cute little teapot. Um, and yeah. Um, do you normally put sugar in it or are you just doing it now to debitter it? I do normally put sugar in it. Yes. Um, do you put milk in it? No, cause it's a white tea. Okay. I, I would agree with that, but I know you never know. <laughs> okay. I, I have realized there's, there's a little bit of a story on this that I'm going to read to you. Love to hear it. So this tea has a, um, I don't know what they're called, like ugh, classified ad, like man speaking woman ad on it. So I'm going to read yeah. it to you. Mm-hmm. Classifieds, right? Wanda. Yeah. Good. Loving, caring tea seeks perfect partner, ideal partner, someone who is looking to excite their taste buds, passionate about tea, dreams of the finest ingredients, lovingly grown by the small farmers without using chemicals and is looking for a long and loving relationship. Sounds like you then stop searching, pick me up and love me forever. <laughs> <laughs> love me forever. Uh, then, then not far away from that. It does say, if you think we could be a match made in heaven, then why not follow us on Instagram? Yeah, that's all. There's a little classified ad on it. And you know what? Is, if someone is your match you have to follow an Instagram. Yeah. I, I gotta say, I did not read this. Although my journey to this tea was, if this tea looks good, I'm going to buy it. So it sounds like, so it sounds like the description was me and I, I stopped searching to pick it and I'm going to love it forever. Except for when I oversteep it. Um, yeah. It's too bad. You didn't show care this one time. It's a real bummer. Yeah. That's okay. Everyone makes mistakes. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Um, do you have anything more to say or should I be asking you about the No, I think especially with white tea, it's really important you take your tea bag out at the right time. I got distracted when my alarm went off and I forgot to. And you know what? That's on me. That's on mm-hmm. no one but me. Mm-hmm. Glad you can admit your mistakes. Uh, that shows personal growth. I'm going to take another sip now that it has a little bit more sugar in it. Okay. Let's see if the sugar fixes the steeping. My guess is it helps, but doesn't completely fix the problem. Mm, it just mostly tastes a little bit sweeter, but it's all still there. That's the thing is I, I don't, I think sometimes milk can help like if it's black tea, but if it's white tea, you're sort of, you're sort of, or green tea, you're sort of dead because, uh, Cause like milk is supposed to help with bitterness anyways. Right. Am I yeah. making that up? Um, I know it helps with spiciness. Yeah. At Buffalo Wild Wings, Wings for Sports, um, people used to ask for milk when they ate the really spicy wings. I would have asked for milk at that, uh, that very same place probably. Um, I, I think, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a milk head. What can I say? Milk's good. Um, can't really drink as much milk as I used to, but let's put it, say, say if I had my way, I would. <laughs> okay. Um, Emily, 
Yes. Do you find this tea by the English Tea Company spot lovers? Uh, tea shop, English tea shop, uh, the white tea, blueberry, and elderberry, elderflower to be your cup of tea or not your cup of tea. I'd like to make two points. No, three points. One, last week when I didn't remember your name, you interrupted me. And this just goes to show that I don't interrupt you. Um, I think that's really important to say I didn't interrupt you. I just helped. I just helped. Two, I'm going to give this thing two grades, today's and in general. And three, I just wanna just caution people, follow the instructions. When it says steep for two to three minutes, steep for two to three minutes, not five to seven. That's just what I'm gonna, just what I'm gonna put out there to the listeners. Um, this current making of this tea, it is not my cup of tea. Mm. This tea in general is my cup of tea. So interpret that as you will, will listener, if it's not a cup of tea or not. Don't leave unattended. Yeah, do not leave, much like children on a playground, do not leave unattended. Um, I'm going to say that that counts. This is my, again, this is my interpretation. You said everyone interpreted it their way. I'm just offering my interpretation. I would say that this is your cup of tea. Okay. I think I think that's what I, how I would interpret it if I was a listener. They can make up their own mind, but I think it is your cup of tea. Okay. Uh, Laura. Yes. Um, you are also drinking a tea. Um, let us know what tea that is. Yes. It's Bigelow Benefits Calm Stomach Ginger and Peach Herbal Tea. Mm. And, and what made you, uh, and so I'll say that, uh, what, how did this tea come come to you? Okay. So the tea, the tea that I'm drinking and Spoiler alert, the tea that Matt's drinking, but I won't say what it is, but I will say that they came from the same place. Um, uh, shout out to my friend Kirsten, who sent me a care package for my um, vaccine. Um, and so I had a bunch of teas and some candy and um, some um, Epsom salts for soaking in. Um, and it was very kind. And I'm not a big tea drinker at all. I'm, I'm more of a coffee person. Um, but I do really enjoy like a green tea or a white tea. I like ginger flavor, peach flavor. So this, this is my cup of tea. Don't jump the gun on the question though. Okay. All right. Um, (laughs) Um, this is neither a, this is neither a white nor a green tea. It is an herbal tea. Clarify. Okay, that is true. It is an herbal tea, so it's technically technically not tea, right? Because it's um doesn't have the tea leaves in it. Yeah, I mean we don't make a big fuss on this podcast. Okay, that, but... David's tea would call it a fruit infusion, but here we just call it what it wants to be called. Okay. Um. Yes. Um, I have a quick story to tell. Um, in my sips by box a few months ago, I got this white tea that was ju- it's just the white tea leaves and it when I tasted it it was just kind of like meh mm-hmm. just like it didn't taste like anything it just tasted like slightly hot water with mm. some leaves taste in it so what I did is I put a little ginger in it and a oh. little peach in it oh my gosh and I made myself a peach and ginger white tea and it made me think of your tea that's, that's that sounds great did you put like fresh like ginger frozen 
Um, I'm sorry, what was that? Frozen. Frozen. Okay. Yeah, I had frozen peach and then some frozen ginger. Oh, okay. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I think I, I mean, to be honest with you, I probably haven't had a white tea that wasn't flavored some other way, probably. Yeah. yeah. I think it works for black tea, but maybe I just, I feel like with white tea and green tea, I need some flavoring. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so this tea came to you in a special care package. Yes. Did it make you feel better after a vaccine? Was your mood lifted by this care package? It was definitely lifted. I, it was just my first vaccine, so I didn't really feel sick. I think the, it was intended to actually arrive much later. She thought that the post office was going to be so much slower with it. She mm-hmm. it arrived literally the day after she mm-hmm. sent it. Um, so, so I think the idea was like that it would come a little sooner to my second shot. And a lot of people don't have their second, have a good uh, time for their second shot. That's like mm-hmm. when you need tea and rest and stuff like that. Um, so I've, I've already dug into it um, and I don't need I feel fine. <laughs> but we'll we'll see. Um, you know, in a in a week from now when I get my second shot, how mm-hmm. I feel. I'll probably um, really appreciate it. Um, well that's lovely. I'm there's other there's you. other teas left for when that happens. So this isn't the end of the care package. <laughs> yeah. Um okay. Um so this is a bigelow ginger peach herbal tea. Do you taste the yes. ginger? Yes. Do you taste the peach? Yes. Are they strong? Is one of those flavors stronger than the other? Or are they it's like? Um, peach at the front, ginger at the back. Okay. I feel like a lot of like a spice in a tea, it's in the back of the sip. Yes. So like when you have, yeah. It's like an like, aftertaste kind yeah. of thing. You feel the burn afterwards a little bit. Yeah. yeah. That happens with, I think, when cinnamon is in tea too. Mm-hmm. T2. Okay. Um, and do you taste any other flavors? No. No. Okay. You know, just general tea taste. Yeah. So it's um, as advertised. It doesn't have any sneaky things in it. No. I mean, it says that it has like wild orange leaves and peppermint, chamomile, licorice root, fennel, marshmallow mm-hmm. root. Um, and I don't think I taste any of those explicitly. Yeah. Um, but also I have to say, and this could be because I'm just a tea rube, um, is that if you told me it was like a white tea with ginger and peach, I would have been like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Um, That's because you're a rube. (laughs) I, I will say, I don't know if I would, because I don't think white tea in and of itself has that strong of a flavor. So I think well, I don't know for sure. I feel like I could also be tricked. Yeah, I could be tricked. That's I'm not going to say I, there's no way to trick me, but I think I would. I think I would probably get it right, um, but not with like enough confidence to like bet my life on it. <laughs> um, and it's uh, this is also supposed to be so these these are this is the Bigelow Benefits brand. Um, so they're kind of like you know, like Yogi tea is kind of famous for these, like the different yeah. benefits. So, uh, Laura, yours is for your stomach rest, like stomach health yeah. or something. Calm stomach. Calm stomach. I assume that's the ginger. Uh, does your stomach feel calm? <laughs> sure. <laughs> it doesn't feel any more or less calm than normal. I'm assuming. I don't think it's hit yet. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
Um, okay. Um, have you had this tea before? Or is it just like one? No, I've never had this tea before. Uh, um, yeah. That sounds lovely. I actually would be interested in trying this tea. Mostly because of my recent ginger peach experimenting. Yeah. Um, listen, if you guys, uh, if you keep frozen, frozen fruit in your freezer, because you make smoothies once every year, um, just toss them into your tea. It adds a nice flavor. Uh, I can tell you this. Uh, I made a smoothie this morning and I used frozen peaches in it because yes, those are in our freezer. <laughs> we do have fresh ginger in the refrigerator. Yeah. So we could well, make something. Strawberries, yeah. blueberries, uh, mangoes. We can make all kinds of stuff. Ooh, I'm going to do mangoes in black tea. Ooh, hell yeah. That sounds delicious. Yeah, I'm going to make it All happen. I'm saying is get crazy over there. Mm -hmm. Make some wild teas. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> uh, okay, we will. <laughs> uh, Laura. Yes. Do you find this Bigelow Benefits... Uh, peach, ginger, something about your stomach tea to be your cup of tea or not your cup of tea. It's my cup of tea. Yay! Um, um, would you, I don't know if in this care package is sent like one of each tea or like a few of the teas. It was one of each. Um, would you seek out this tea again? Yeah, I think I would. There are a couple other flavors in the bunch I want to try, like this matcha chili turmeric, um, which I'm not like a huge matcha person, but it sounds really interesting. So, yeah. so I'm going to try that and maybe I'll get more of that too. I don't know. That was the only, <laughs> that was the only of the options that Laura said I couldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it sounds like maybe this care package is going to lead you to being a tea person. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> I'm feel being like polite. <laughs> you, can, you can disagree with Emily all you want. Um, <laughs> um, okay, yeah. um, Matt. Oh, me, huh? This was, my tea is kind of my cup of tea. Laura's tea is her cup of tea. I think it's time to talk about your tea. Wow. What tea are you drinking? Wow, I have something. My tea has something in common with each of you guys. Is tea, uh, as far as Laura goes, came in the same care package. It is also Bigelow Benefits. Uh, in comparison to Emily's tea, it is uh, the blueberry and aloe herbal tea. Um, so it tastes like blueberry and aloe, I guess. And um, the, I you know, I was mentioning that these are for different health reasons or whatever. Um, the back of mine implies um, exactly what this is for. The copy says, isn't it nice to know you radiate, you radiate beauty every day? And is this beauty tea? I guess this is beauty tea. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't really matter if this is beauty tea because it is nice to know that I radiate beauty every day, whether I'm drinking this tea or not. <laughs> wow. Um, this is like the flat tummy tea. Um. Is I don't it? know if it's beauty in that way. I know, but it's the only <laughs> other comparison. I, I couldn't think of any other teas that... Although one time at David's Tea, I did buy a set that was like, yeah, detoxify tea, and one of them was for your skin. It didn't... Yeah, I feel like we've had a couple of teas like this on there that have like talked about uh, making yourself look beautiful or whatever. 
Uh, the ingredients of mine are hibiscus, apple, blueberry flavor, orange peel, rose hips, elderberries, acerola juice, <laughs> granules. Uh, that's one, one thing, As, acerola juice granules, licorice root, aloe vera juice concentrate, and finally blueberries. Blueberry, blueberry flavor and blueberries. Okay, I'm gonna start with the, my main question. Do you taste the aloe? I don't know what aloe tastes like. Do you feel like this tea, you could take it, spread it on a burn, it would make your burn feel better? At this temperature, it would probably make it worse. <laughs> I'm drinking it hot. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't, it is a little, it's a little soothing. I mean, again, I wouldn't pour it on a burn, but I do love aloe for a sunburn though. Oh, that stuff works wonders. <laughs> well, this tea sounds like you could save, save it, save it. Just rub the tea bag on, on, um, yeah. on my sunburns. Um, do you taste the blueberries? Yeah. Tastes like blueberry. Um, and Matt, I know classically you don't like, um, oh, you just said it. Hibiscus? Hibiscus, thank you. I can only think of rose hips and I knew that was wrong. Um, can you taste the hibiscus? Um, you know, I can. And um, it's, it, it does, it is a pretty powerful flavor in it. It does taste sort of like, like if I were to label this tea, I would have called it hibiscus blueberry or blueberry hibiscus. Hmm. Uh, mostly maybe because I don't know what aloe is supposed to supposed to taste like. Have you ever had and that's the answer is probably no, that um, out like when they sell like aloe juice with like chunks oh, of aloe in it. I have had that, but I don't remember what that tastes like. It tastes like nearly nothing. Mm -hmm. So maybe a little cactusy. <laughs> I don't know how to describe that. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, know. <laughs> I feel like I've, so I, um, last week I talked about my love of Facebook videos. Um, and one time I watched one where they show you how to cut up a bunch of different fruits and vegetables. And I've seen that. Yeah. One of them was like cutting up aloe. And I was like, <laughs> you can do that. Do you <laughs> what do you do with aloe? And maybe it's just me being mm. dumb and not knowing things, but I, I don't. Uh, I, well, I think you, uh, you mostly just apply it to your skin. Yeah. Or you can like chop it up and put it in a juice. Yeah, you know, basically you, like boba almost. You can uh, put it in tea. And put it in tea. There you go. Um, Matt. Yeah. Do you have uh, Do you have anything else you want to say about this tea? Uh, it it the water when I put the bag into the water, whatever steeped it, it like immediately turned this like really uh, vibrant bluish purple color. Um, so it was quite a color. It's a good color. One of the best colors I've seen on a tea in a while. Um, um, That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> was your mood lifted by this tea? Um, uh, I'm kind of feeling the same. Um, okay. I mean, it's nice to it's nice to get a compliment like this beauty radiation thing I've got going on now. But other than that, I'm feeling pretty normal. Okay. Um, okay, then Matt, would you say that this Bigelow benefits 
blueberry and aloe herbal tea is your cup of tea or not your cup of tea? Um, I don't think this is my cup of tea. It's, um, it's like fine. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, I just, um, I wish it was, uh, I wish it was, uh, I wish it had real tea in it. I think the herbal teaness of this is like losing me a little. I like the blueberry flavor. Um, as we mentioned, hibiscus, not one of my favorites. Um, that being said, it's not like, it's not like bad. It's just uh, kind of, I'm pretty neutral towards it. So it's not your cup of tea. Yeah, so it's not my cup of tea. Um, so I'm, I'm the only one who enjoyed my tea, I guess. Well, to be Today. fair, I was, there was the problem. I was, I was the problem in my enjoyment. <laughs> not the tea. <laughs> Um, um yeah laura i did want to ask so matt's yeah. tea his little tea bag had like the radiating beauty thing mm -hmm. did your tea bag have any fun no it's on the back know. it says for those who love a calm stomach every day well that's it that's everyone <laughs> yeah i don't know who wouldn't that's marketing yeah. guys that's how marketing works <laughs> They had to put something on the back. Say something that everyone wants, and then that's how you sell it. <laughs> um, okay, tea talk done? Talk complete. Um, I think we should go into the next segment that we have sometimes. Which is, ch -ch 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 check it in. About the past topics. Past topics. Am I supposed to say that I, part? <laughs> no, I forgot. I was going to do the checking out of the check-in. Because mm -hmm. um, I, I like that phrase. Um, so I realized as we were doing it, the reading should have been part of our check-in, but... Mm -hmm. That's okay. Uh, um, but I have an email. And I think this will be a fun thing to get Laura's um, opinion on. But this is from Katie Abate-Lewin. Mm -hmm. And it's called condiments and dipping sauces. Amazing. That's, um, that's great. <laughs> so Katie first says, first of all, who is this loser guest you had on? Gross. The guest that time was her husband, Corey. So she's <laughs> calling her husband gross. The episode called condiments and dipping sauces with Corey Lewin. I'm it yeah. Is. is that the whole title? <laughs> yeah. Second of all, the tea Corey had was one of the teas given at my bridal shower. So you probably have had it M which is true. I have had that tea. Wow. Now let's get into the condiments and dipping sauces. Third, dipping mott sticks in ketchup is an egregious act that makes me consider divorce. <laughs> what a nasty person. So one, do Laura, what is your opinion on dipping mozzarella sticks in ketchup? Uh, don't do it. <laughs> um, and two, what are some condiments and dipping sauces you like? Oh, wow. My favorite <laughs> I'm so ready for this. My favorite, um, like dipping sauce is a good, like chipotle mayo, mm. aioli kind of thing. It honestly, it could be like sriracha, it could be chipotle. It doesn't matter. It's if it's orange, I'm all about it. <laughs> orange and creamy. I'm, I'm all about it. That's my absolute favorite. If it, if it's like, a like a sushi, um, chirashi kind of thing, um, or if it's Mexican food or some fun fries, like I, I, I love good spicy mayo. 
To for further corroborate Laura's answer on this, I've seen her make her own spicy mayo with a place does not supply it. <laughs> like well, a sushi place. They supply it, but it costs $2 for like a thimble. Mm, so I'm so like, I have sriracha, I have mayo, I'm going to just make my own for free. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that is smart because I often, I like to get extra sauces because I like to dip, mm-hmm. but then I'm paying extra money for this tiny little cup of dipping sauces. Yeah, it's how they make their money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think think the only way that ketchup is acceptable on mozzarella sticks is if for some god-awful reason they don't give you it. They don't give you like marinara sauce or something. Um, But that's like a restaurant you just shouldn't be a part of or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I think I would just have them plain. Because yeah. I feel like the the vinegar content of uh, of ketchup just like doesn't go well with that kind of cheese. Uh, I mean, I know that there's like some acidity and like a tomato, you know, like a straight tomato sauce that like a ketchup doesn't have, but like like a tanginess, but like it just makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's like mozzarella is Italian, marinara is Italian. It just makes ketchup sense. comes from Pittsburgh, <laughs> right? Um, I will say, I don't really, I don't know if I said this on the episode, but I will just eat my mozzarella sticks plain all the time because I'm not always the biggest fan of marinara sauce. Um, but yeah, it's not, I'm not dipping it in ketchup. Um, okay, good. I'm glad we can agree. (laughs) To relate this back to Laura's point about Chipotle, sriracha, mayo, any of those choices, is at this vegan restaurant that I like called Champs. Um, they used to have these really good mozzarella sticks that were vegan. So they weren't mozzarella sticks, but that's what I'm gonna call them for this discussion. Um, and I dipped them in their buffalo sauce, which isn't really Chipotle aioli in any way, but it is like a spicy orange sauce. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, uh, dipping sauce talk complete. <laughs> Dipping sauce talk done. And we are. So um, the last time Laura was on this podcast, uh, it was an episode called Mega Man and the Adventures of Pete and Pete with Laura Minor. Um, uh, That was back when we had two topics with guests on. We don't do that anymore, but that's way back. That's almost three years ago. That was June 28th of 2018. Um, So now on that episode, Laura's topic was, as mentioned, the television show, The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Um, on that very, uh, on that episode of the podcast, Laura plugged the fact that she owns an Etsy store that sells Pete and Pete themed pins. Well, Laura has a little update about, uh, uh or a little anecdote about that store. Yes. Um, so I, I don't know how many pins I had on the store at the time of that recording. Um, for, a, for a long time, I had like three pins, um, and I'm just going to say what they are and, you, and, you know, if anybody doesn't know what Pete and Pete is, they can Google it. They can listen to my episode, but I'm just going to say I had, uh, an orange Lazarus slushy cup pin, um, a Krebstar star, um, uh, cream corn pin and a welcome or now leaving Wellsville sign. And those were doing pretty well. And then um, during the pandemic, I decided to make a fourth pin. Um, 
even though they're a little bit expensive to make, I just felt like I needed to spice things up. And so I made a, um, a pin that's based on one of the title cards um, in the show. Is, Matt, is that correct? Is that correct terminology? I call mean, it a title card. It's I when call it whatever you want. <laughs> it's when it's when they're naming off the the different characters and actors, um, and there's a title card for um, the metal plate inside their mom's head, like it's its own character, and so it's called. It, it just says like mom's plate, and it's an X-ray of like a skull with. Um, a metal plate on it. So I basically took um, a skull shape and I added the metal plate. I tinted it blue, which is the color of the, uh, of the x-ray in the, in the shot. And I wrote in like big fat, like, like aerial, like I, I think is the font, um, just like basic sans serif font, um, mom's plate. Um, kind of covering up the scarier bits of the skull. So you get the impression that it's a skull, but it doesn't have like the eye holes and the teeth, you know? Um, And people seem to really like it. And the best part was that Judy Graff, the actress who played the mom, found it and bought one and messaged me on Etsy saying like how appreciative she was of like, uh, you know, that I was keeping the spirit of the show alive with my pins and she thought it was like really cool. Um, and it was like a real highlight. I was really happy. Um, That's so fun. Yeah. I don't know how she found out about it. I feel like somebody, somebody in her circle, like found it somehow, maybe they were Googling Pete and Pete and it came up and they I don't know. Who knows? That's the very fun check-in. That's exciting. Yeah. There you go. Wow. Uh, You're famous. You're pretty much famous now. Yeah. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we are checking out of the (laughs) (laughs) check-in. There you go. uh, Laura, as Matt previously discussed, you have been on the podcast before. Yes. Actually, two times before. Yes. Actually, three times. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yes. The things, um, not the Thanksgiving, the fall episode. It was like fall and summer. Yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. I was remembering the summer one in our top five favorite fruits. Which will happen to be the episode one week before Laura's other appearance. They were back to back weeks. Wow. Yeah. Anyways. Um, anyways. But as Matt said, your topic was the adventures of Pete and Pete. But it is a new day. And I, you know, I don't know for sure if you have a new topic. You could also talk about Pete and Pete again. It's your choice. <laughs> but what we want to know is what your topic is. Yeah. Today. So my topic today um, is the television show Twin Peaks, which, if anybody knows me, is kind of uh, predictable. Um, it's something, it's a show that I like, I really like. Oh, I like, you know, the adventures of Pete and Pete. Um, it was something that really shaped my young mind. Um, and I want to talk about it today. I'll say I, uh, Laura did not tell me this was her topic as is, as are the rules of the podcast. 
but I had, I had a pretty good, I was like, she's going to talk about Twin Peaks. Like in my brain, I'm just like, I, I was trying to think like what else she would have talked about. And, and I don't know, I just immediately was like Twin Peaks. She'll talk about that. Anyways. Um, I will say the first time, Laura, I think before you were on, Matt said, if Laura's ever on, she'll talk about Twin Peaks. And then you didn't talk about Twin Peaks. <laughs> um, and then also before we recorded, I was talking to my mom on the phone and I was like, oh, Laura's going to be on the podcast. And mom, my mom said, what's she going to talk about? And I'm like, mom, no point of podcasts is I don't know. <laughs> That's all. Well, I'm glad she was interested in what I was going to talk about, regardless of what it was. Yeah. Um, um, so Twin Peaks. So Twin Peaks. Um, all right. Where to begin? Um, well, it's a TV series um, created by David Lynch and Mark Frost. Um, in 1990, it lasted two seasons, um, but then came back. Uh, I think I think it's most uh, most famous uh, for having like a recent comeback on Showtime. Uh, the uh, some people call it the third season. Some people refuse to call it the third season. They just call it the return because it's like very different from the original series. But I guess let's just say we're talking about the original series just for time's sake. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what we get to, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I have not watched the show, mm-hmm. although I've thought about watching it because I've heard yeah. like some other podcasts I know talk about it, but I, I do know that you're only like a couple years older than me. And so in 1990, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how old you were, but I assume you weren't watching Twin Peaks live. No. When did you discover this TV show? What a great question. So um, let me just say that my first taste of Twin Peaks came via The Simpsons um, because there was an episode, um, and Matt can help with this. Um, It's the episode, I believe, that is like the origin of Maggie's birth or Lisa's birth. It was like supposed to be set in 1990 and there's a flashback where Homer is like watching TV and he's watching Twin Peaks and drinking Crystal Pepsi at the same time. Do you remember this, Matt? Do you know what I'm Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I remember the episode. Okay. Is it is it Lisa or Maggie? I guess it doesn't matter. Does but it? mm, it's, uh, I, it doesn't matter, but it's I probably it's got to be Maggie because it's yeah, because the show yeah. started in like, yeah, yeah. Well, so I was watching that episode with my parents and they're doing the Twin Peaks like spoof. And it was so so like just, I guess, to to give a little bit of background for anybody who doesn't know what Twin Peaks is. It is a very bizarre show. Um, David Lynch, who's the director, is known for um, surreal visuals and odd characters um, sometimes stilted dialogue um, and just like uh, things that seem pretty random. At least they seem pretty random. Um, but the uh, the show was basically showing their their depiction of Twin Peaks was um, a character on the show called the Giant, who's this like um, sunken faced like sullen man with a, a bow tie, and he's dancing with a horse in the moonlight 
And it's, it's like really, you know, it's surreal. It doesn't make any sense, but it's, it's definitely like touching on, on some uh, very real symbolism that's actually in the show. And uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just supposed to be super random and making fun of Twin Peaks. But I saw that and I was like, what is the reference here? And I, my mom was like, well, uh, there was a show called Twin Peaks. Um, it was like really weird. It was sort of like a murder mystery and like supernatural and mysterious. And I was like, this sounds amazing. And I'm probably like 10 years old or something, but it wouldn't be until a couple years later that I actually watched the show. Um, but I had it in the back of my mind as like something that like I'd want to come in contact with one day. Uh, mm-hmm. And when I was like, I guess I was like 12 years old. It was like 2000. It was the summer between my um, seventh and eighth grade year. And I had started watching Bravo. Do you guys remember that channel? Bravo? Yeah, Project Runway was on it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So like in the really like early days of Bravo, they used to play the most random stuff. One of which is just reruns of Twin Peaks. And I just happened upon the show um dead center middle of season two um and it happened to be the scariest episode that like exists and Mm -hmm. people people across the board will say like yes this is the scariest episode you could possibly watch aside from like maybe the season the series finale um and it happened to be the first episode I saw and I was hooked I was like this is um absolutely amazing I am so thrilled that something like this exists in the world like somebody allowed this to exist like adults said yeah put this on air you know, and it was the most like random, um, spooky stuff I've ever seen. Is the series series as a whole kind of spooky or is it just those episodes? It's spooky as a whole, but I have to say that, um, after David Lynch left the show, um, basically after that episode, um, the series was like, primarily taken over by Mark Frost, who has a little bit more of a goofy tilt. He's definitely not as, um, definitely not as spooky as David Lynch, um, not going to be as like symbolic and deep um, with his, you know, themes. Uh, so, So the show ended up being like kind of a joke. People really, really turned on the show. Um, in mm-hmm. the second half of the the second season, a lot of that was because the mystery had been solved mm-hmm. by that one episode because people demanded answers. The whole um, show was about, uh, you know, Laura Palmer is the beauty queen uh, of the town, and she's perfect. Uh, everybody loves her, but she. Um, is found dead and then people start to realize that there was much more going on and everybody's trying to find out who her killer is and there are all these suspects and it's very compelling it was like basically one of the first examples of prestige television like ever 
um, it wasn't, and it wasn't, you know, on HBO, it was on ABC. Mm -hmm. Um, But people really, really wanted a conclusion. And so the, um, the, um, you know, big wigs at ABC came down hard on David Lynch and Mark Frost and said, we need an answer. And they scrambled up one. um, And David Lynch didn't like doing that. And then the show just sort of went stale. It, there mm-hmm. wasn't anything to to talk about anymore and it yeah and and he came back actually for the final um two episodes he directed the final two episodes and you can really tell david lynch did yes and you can really tell and he i think wrapped up the series in an okay way uh it, it was it was with a cliffhanger that ends up getting a, a little bit resolved in the return on Showtime about 25 years later. <laughs> so, um, so this is the 90s. Are we talking yes. 20, like 24 episode seasons or shorter I than that? Say, I think there are 30 full episodes uh-huh. where the there, there are 30 episodes where the first season is like... 13 okay so still not like super long seasons no no not not super long yeah um so so I so I know about Laura Palmer in this show um so I assume that so the first time so you watched that scary episode and you were hooked Mm -hmm. yes did you continue watching Bravo until it started with the first episode or did you find another outlet for watching yeah. it? So I watched, I, I don't remember. I, it felt like I watched a lot more, but it probably was only like maybe six more episodes. Um, I remember I missed one. It, w- it would happen at like at 9 PM on Friday nights and I missed one. And it never aired again. And I was so upset. They they switched it. They were just like, well, we're not showing Twin Peaks anymore. They didn't even finish. They didn't even finish the 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 season that they were airing. They just started playing the West Wing. Hmm. And that was and that was that. And that was when my I I you know expressed that I really, you know, wanted to uh to watch the show and I really liked it. And my older cousin, Adam, he had, he had a roommate who went to prison and oh. that, and, and that roommate had um, Twin Peaks memorabilia in his room. And Adam said, um, well, uh, Laura can have this now. So he just took it from his room, from his room and um, gave it to me. Um, and so I got like, um, a bunch of books, like kind of like silly books, um, like fan books about the show. Um, and like the, the, um, cassette tape of Dale Cooper, who's the um, detective on the show, like his like audio recordings, which I've never listened to. Um, And then he also gave me like three homemade VHS tapes that he made, not his uh, prison roommate, but that he made back in 1990, like taped the first three episodes with like local commercials and everything. 
Um, this is amazing. Yeah. And so I got to see the first like three episodes, but there was still a huge gap. And then it wasn't until I was like in high school that my parents got me the entire series on VHS. Yeah. Not DVD, VHS. <laughs> not DVD. No. Yeah. I mean, it was like 2002. We probably should have had a DVD player, but you know, oh, well, we didn't. And I just watched it all on VHS. Um Emily's trying to calculate in her head when DVDs became a thing. I'm trying to remember when we got our first DVD player. And in 2002, I was 12. And I don't remember. So in uh, just to throw it out there for when DVDs became more of a thing. In 1999, um, they released a little movie called Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Never heard of it. And um, it was one of the last movies to only be released. It was originally only released on VHS because uh, George Lucas wanted it to like set the record for highest selling VHS of all time. <laughs> and so it did not come out as a DVD for like a little, I don't know how long, but like did not come out as a DVD right away. So anyone who wanted to get Star Wars right away had to get it as a VHS. And that felt like dated that like, like people were like, what the hell, man? We all have DVD players now. Uh, so that was 1999. So by yes, by 2000, the early 2000s, a lot of people, I guess, had them. Um, yeah, I just don't remember when we got ours. But so, so this is the, the, your journey to getting the VHS tapes. Yes. So I love the story. I like the idea of, well, okay, I need to go back to the prison roommate, but I'm going to yeah. go back to that in a second. <laughs> um, I like the idea of you like seeking out like the little bits that you could. Um, in the pre-internet age, because now we would just go to some streaming service. Yeah. yeah. It'd be so easy. There'd be no mystery. And the whole show was a mystery. So yes. Mystery yeah. I think it. that that is what was fun about it was, um, you know, especially being so young, you have this like, you know, you're, you're exploring the world. And I mean, there, there's something about like discovering, um, I don't want to sound pretentious, discovering cinema. You know, when you're like that young and, and you, you just, it's, it's sort of like a little bit more special than like finding a, like a really good movie when you're older, just because, yeah, yeah it's, it's sort of like, like, like I said before, it's this realization that like, oh, I can do this or like, a, this is allowed, yeah. <laughs> like, the, you know, um, so, so yeah, it's, it was, you know, definitely um, a journey, maybe a journey that, um kids wouldn't have nowadays because Twin yeah. Peaks is on um is on Netflix yeah um so I did your cousin take this stuff from his prison roommate while he was in prison or did he end up going to prison later <laughs> so I guess the story from what I remember is that his roommate lived there had a room um was arrested and went to prison for stealing a lot of computers and just had a, his like room was just still there filled with his stuff mm -hmm. and nobody was claiming it or doing anything with it. You know, it was just still there. Yeah. And, um, and so it was like one day when I was, um, he like 
he's he's like 17 years older than me so mm-hmm. so he was in his like mid-20s or something and I was like in middle school and my parents and I went over his apartment in Providence to like have dinner um and then I was like talking about how much I love Twin Peaks and he was like oh I got something for you and he like came back downstairs with like all this stuff and he was like my roommate's in prison you can have this and we're like, okay. And he was just like, he doesn't need it. You know, I think he, he, he had like sort of a disdain for him. And he was just like, whatever, this, this guy's a loser. I don't care if I yeah. just stole his stuff and gave it to my cousin. Laura likes Twin Peaks. She gets this. <laughs> she gets I to have love, this. Um, I love this story. It's a great story. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the reason I said the thing earlier about knowing the, um, knowing about, Oh my God, just forgot her name. The main Laura Palmer. Laura Palmer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because like, that's like really all I know about the show. But what hooks you into the pilot? What do you think made people hooked to it? Okay, in the pilot, I think it's probably introducing all of the different characters in the show. Um, it's definitely like a pseudo soap opera kind of thing. Um, it was definitely trying to be different, but it was still sort of uh, still holding on a little bit to like a formula that people were familiar with, like with the soap opera. And I think they definitely tried to sort of play some of that up as a satire almost. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, they they basically establish that her body is found and then it's just this like ripple of just like how it affects everybody like minute by minute um like people finding out reacting being like devastated and you're realizing what an impact her death has on everyone um not just her devastated parents but you know her friends um woman that works at the diner, like, you know, tons of people. Um, and, and they introduce all the characters and you sort of also find out like what everybody was doing that day. So maybe like in the detective sense, you sort of figure out like, hmm, you know, like, is this person maybe a suspect because what were they doing? Like, at the, you know, the night before her death, that kind of thing. Um, and, and also people absolutely love agent cooper um he's like uh such a good character um you know he's the detective who comes in um to try and solve the murder he comes in super quick too he's he's in the pilot i think he he comes in the day after that they immediately they're like the fbi has to come in right now um (laughs) to the to this like small um uh, town in in Washington State. Um, the but town's he, called Twin Peaks. Is that yeah, the town's name? called Twin Peaks. Yeah, and uh, and his character is very pure. He's just so good. Like he's such a good person, mm-hmm. but not in a way where you're like, oh, he's one sided and he's boring. He's like, he's very invested in the town and in, um, you know, solving the case and, um, 
So he he's basically like a, a salve to the idea of like a like a grizzled detective that might normally be like a character in a show like this. Like he's he's very optimistic. He he like brings up like uh these ideas of of like uh using old Tibetan like rituals to to try and and solve the case. Like he he comes at it from like interesting angles and it's not like uh it's not it's not corny. It's like super sincere. I think that's the other thing is like the sincerity of his character. Um I think is really appealing to people. So um, this is where I reveal that I've, I've not seen this show despite Laura's obsession with it. Um, <clears throat> I've not seen Twin Peaks, although she has recently um, started her campaign to get me to watch it. So it might be a matter <laughs> of time before I see that first episode. <laughs> I, um, that's, mm-hmm. I feel like the campaign would have started way sooner. Were you just, were you building up to it slowly, Laura? Like, I think it's, it's happened before. Okay. Um, and sometime, sometimes I give up <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> or it's know. not worth it's, it's, you know, um, it's, I don't know. Sometimes it's, it's not time. Um, okay. perhaps people will remember earlier when I said, I just got started reading a second book and started reading two books at the same time. I could sometimes be weird about watching two, uh, TV show, two like dramas at the same time. Um, so there's maybe been times where like Laura and I are watching some other TV show and this doesn't fit in. I don't really remember straight up rejecting watching it in the past, but um, yeah. Yeah. This might be the first time I've tried it in earnest. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, sh- I, I think part of maybe one of the appeals people have and, and Laura maybe can expand on this, but that it seems as though it's definitely a show um, that people have done like lots of, you know, fan theories and have done lots of videos and people have like really dug into like, what is the meaning of this? What is the meaning of that? And like, it seems like a show more rife than almost any other show to like make, you know, internet theory videos or podcast theories and whatnot about it. Yes. And, you know, pre-internet, I, I really don't know how people were talking about the show in that way. Um, because, you know, I, and I could probably do some research on this. There were always like fanzines and things like that in, in the nineties where people would talk about the show. I feel like it's, it would, back then it was mostly like whodunit, you know? Um, whereas, you know, once YouTube became a thing and people started making like theory videos, um, and there are like more outlets for discussion like that. Um, that's when I realized that people thought that there was something super deep about the symbolism used in the show that I had never, ever thought about before. Because mm-hmm. um, like, you know, I'd say like maybe around like 2006, um, YouTube is going strong. I'm in college. Um I've, you know, watched Twin Peaks probably several times over at this point. And somebody posts a video about um, like this one like dream sequence where um, it's pro- it's like a very famous dream sequence. If, if you know about the show and like the, the tropes about the show, it's like in this red room and there's like the 
um, the dwarf and everybody's speaking backwards. And there are these like props, like there's a Venus uh, de Milo statue. There's like a lamp that I guess kind of looks like Saturn. And so the person in the, in the video was talking about how like, um, like, oh, like Saturn and like Jupiter, um, you know, it's about them like aligning and like when they align this like cosmic like music happens and that's what it means when the dwarf rubs his hands together and you kind of hear like of me and I was like no this is like too like this guy is reading way too much into it I was like this is wrong the whole like because at the time the whole I I really thought that like all of David Lynch's stuff was just the most random stuff that came to his head that he put to paper and put to film and that it was beautiful and pure. And I loved it for that. I was like, it's just random. It's just the crazy stuff that comes out of this guy's head. And I love that. And when people were trying, were, were like, he's trying to say X, Y, Z, I was like, I don't know if I agree with that. That kind of um, freaks me out, but I did eventually turn around because I did find out that David Lynch is super into transcendental meditation. He really does put a lot of symbolism um, into his work intentionally. <laughs> and um, some of it is random. Some of it he does say, he's like, I, I'll meditate, I'll have a dream. And I just go with my gut. You know, it, it might not make sense to you, but it made sense to me and it's the way it had to be. So like in yeah. that sense, it might be random. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, there's definitely much more like mysticism um, in the show than I, I, you know, picked up on when I like first watched it as a kid where I was just excited because stuff was like creepy and random. Yeah. Um. So, Did I answer the question? <laughs> I think so. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so um, I've also heard that the second season, it lo- fell off. I have two questions about mm-hmm. that. So you said earlier it was goofy and mm-hmm. then it just like changed tones. Yes. Um, do you think in today's TV climate, and this is a, a big question that really we'll never know the answer to, do you think David Lynch would have been forced to give a, an answer to the whodunit or could it just kept going on for a while? Yeah, I, I think that, um, I think that he could have probably done what he had wanted to do. I think that people have so much more trust in directors now, um, than they probably did back then. Um, because I mean, that was like the perfect blueprint of like, we're trying to make something really special. We're putting it on primetime TV on like network television. Network TV like has their their way that they do things. They have their own formula. They at the time just like couldn't imagine it going any other way. Mm-hmm. And then it it sucked, you know. And they and and they had to they canceled it. You know they they had to end the show. Um, because the ratings like fell off so poor, so, so much. And, um, and I think that that show now would be, if it was made today, 
um, would definitely be embraced by whoever, you know, whether it was Netflix or HBO Showtime, you know, it would, it would have been embraced. They would have said, you know, go for it, do, do what you need to do. Because the whole point of that, the whole thing that, you know, David Lynch and Mark Frost, what they wanted to do was create this ever, um, ever growing mystery where they, they don't really ever solve Laura Palmer's case. They just, you know, it's, it's this underlying thing that builds on itself and you learn other interesting things about the town and about the people. And, um, but yeah, they, um, I have to say like the, that, uh, you know, no spoilers, like, um, I'm not going to say like what happened, how, how it got solved, but I mean, it did make for a really good episode. Um, it but hooked then you. It, it hooked me. It, the series could have ended right there. <laughs> it's, you a know? Weird, it's a weird like cross between them, like you know it's it's weird like that the network would be like oh we want you to do this it's like not only did it i guess it did do them good in a very short term sense but then also caused them the harm of not having the show run for years or whatever yeah it's sort of like yeah you solve the 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 crime well now what and it's it, you know and it yeah. was just like too bad that like you know i think yeah david lynch um was uh you know, disillusioned about it. And so he left and that didn't help, you know? So, you know, they didn't really have like a bag full of ideas of like what to do post solving that, that major thing. They tried, nobody liked it. I didn't mm-hmm. like it. I, I, it's so cringy. I've, I've watched it on, on Netflix, like, uh, you know, a few years ago again, and I'm just like, I can barely make it through the second season. It's just like, it's just like painful. Mm-hmm. Like, would you say, would you say that people should stop like on the episode, um, like the last David Lynch episode? Should they just like uh, be done with it? <laughs> it's it's really tough. I feel like you to really know the story, you you got to power through it and just know that the last two episodes really pay off. And then you got to watch the movie. You got to watch Fire Walk with me which is a prequel, but it's not a prequel to watch before the series. Um, like Star a lot Wars. of people make that mistake. Yeah. <laughs> a, a lot of people make that mistake. They're like, oh, I watched Fire Walk with me first. It didn't make any sense. Like, of course it didn't make any sense. They put no effort into introducing any characters. There will be random, like, characters that didn't even matter that much in the series and they are in this movie and they don't introduce them at all they're just suddenly there suddenly having dialogue it's like you got to know who that person is yeah you know um and so and like also half the movie is not even about laura palmer it's about um another murder that happened in a different town it's a good movie i really like it um what year was that made Hmm? What year was that made? 1991 or two. So I feel like it was made, it was made yeah. like right after the show right. ended. And it's like, it's, I think what makes it like super different and what a lot is that it is like a hundred percent David Lynch. So mm-hmm. the, I think there were also, it got really poor reception because I think a lot of people who 
liked the TV show, watched it and were like, this is bananas and this doesn't make any sense and I don't like it. But if you love David Lynch, it's a perfectly fine David Lynch movie. Um, and, and I also think it's just like a good supplement to the story. Um, and then, uh, in like 2013 or I think 2013 or 14, they released, um, a complete DVD set of the, um, TV show and fire walk with me together. And it came with deleted scenes and the deleted scenes are canon as we've come to discover. Um, so, so deleted scenes from the TV show and from fire walk with me, um, are considered to be like true, true things that happened, um, that are part of the, the story and the greater lore of the TV show. Wow. Adding to the um, mystery of it all. <laughs> yes. Cause then they, they made a book, um, uh, that that's like, you know, set up sort of like detective files that you read through and you learn about like what happened to people after um, season two ended. And that leads into the return, which was on Showtime. And that was, um, I I enjoyed that. Um, It was like, was it like 16 episodes, 16 one hour episodes. And it was like all David, David Lynch and it was you know pretty wild um there are a lot of like there's like a musical act at the end of every single episode <laughs> it was like very strange but but kind of cool learn uh got some new music out of that one um so with this return mm-hmm. um you said you liked it or most people generally like this was a good ending to the story. Like glad it came back or we're like, yeah. Yeah. I think it was a mixed bag. I think it was definitely David Lynch doing whatever he wants, which I think some people like me are just like, yep, do it. You know, some people I think really, really, really want stuff tied up. Um, Mm -hmm. And that didn't, I mean, it, it, a way it, brought up more questions than there were answers. Um, And it does, it also ends on like a cliffhanger of sort of like a, like what what now Um, (laughs) kind of thing. And that's, that's interesting. And it's sort of, it's, it's a little bit of an F you to, to people who like did want closure, but which like, is totally in line with like David Lynch's personality. I think his, his whole thing was like, you know, I want to make, you know, the return, like even the TV show has this sort of hint that like, you know, in a dream, Laura Palmer says to agent Cooper, I will see you in 25 years. And that was just sort of like a, a weird uh, random dream thing to say, but then he, you know, decided to make that a thing. So exactly 25 years later, he, you know, um, released the show again, um, used like basically like most of the same cast yeah, and, um, and made something like really unique. And he just like had free reign, like, uh, Showtime really let him do whatever he wanted. And it's, yeah, there's something like very pure about it. There's, there are things that are confusing and frustrating. Um, 
and but uh but i i think it's like a, a good experience okay good um uh. so i know we need to start wrapping up but i want to ask laura one more question laura can you give a two or three sentence speech or pitch to the people because i assume if i were to ask where should you start you should start with the first episode yes so <laughs> pitch us do your elevator pitch on this show Oh boy. Okay. So I think that <laughs> you should watch Twin Peaks. Um, if you love murder mysteries and uh, supernatural things um, and uh, oh boy. I think that, that I, don't I don't know. Like this is, this is hard. Would you say, as the teens say, is the show all about vibes? Yes. It's a vibe show. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I, thought, I think I, I like I, when I went on and on and on about the show and then I, I'm told to do the most simple thing and I'm just like, <laughs> no, just watch it. <laughs> I, you know, I got the elevator pitch. Murder mystery, supernatural vibes. Vibes, yes. Vibes. Cool. That was my last question. <laughs> um, well, uh, thank you, Laura, for bringing Twin Peaks here and proving my ego and my head right that this is what you would talk about. <laughs> oh, um, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, uh, we are wrapping up. Um, Emily, do you have anything you want to plug? No. Yay day. No. Uh, Laura, do you have anything you would like to plug? Uh, I would just like to plug my, um, my pin shop on Etsy again. Um, it's called Slushen Miner. S-L-U-S-H-E-N-M-I-N-E-R. <laughs> um, and so you can look that up on Etsy. Find the, find the pin that the mom bought. <laughs> um, you could probably just search Pete and Pete pins on Etsy and I'll come up eventually. <laughs> um, I did, I did think I had one more question to ask you. Sure. If you were to make a Twin Peaks pin, mm. what would you do? What would I make? Um, <laughs> big props, big good... characters, big yeah, moments. Big, big props, big characters, big moments. I think I'm, I'm, I'm thinking too hard about it. Like I'm trying to be like, what hasn't, because I've seen a lot of Twin Peaks pins. I'm like, how do I be original and not just say something about what I've already seen? Um, I think a pin of uh, all the VHSs next to each other. Yes. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think that would be it. Yeah. When you the, buy it on VHS. VHS yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can guarantee you nobody's made that one before. <laughs> There's my pitch. Um, you can have that for free. <laughs> uh, Emily, did you have something? No, that's all that. I, I thought of that when we were talking and I mm -hmm. um, forgot about it. Um, Matt, do you have anything you want to plug? Sure. I think maybe last week I said I had a new sketch coming out on Sunday. Uh, that has turned out to be a bit of a lie, but that wow. sketch that I promised then is coming out this Sunday instead. <laughs> it's called Zoom Stranger. Emily's in it. Laura's in it. Some other people are in it. 
Uh, it's taking me a little longer to edit than I thought, but it's coming out. <laughs> Yay. Um, and I think that's it. So all I've left to say is if you have not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at TBD Podcast, and send any emails to us to uh, tbdpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's it. I've uh, thank you, Laura, for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, and I've thank you, Laura. Been, I've been Matt Armando. I've been Emily Riggins. And this has been TBD with Matt